0: Well, Katie, it is great to see you again. I'm very excited to talk to you. And um, I'm so glad that you finally shared about box therapy on the internet so that we can talk about it. I've been so excited for you. I, uh, As you know, I just got back from South Africa and I was staying with Ethan Pringle and we were staying in the same little cabin that you and Keenan stayed at with him last year. So it was super fun to like hear some of his stories. And then I was there, we were together in the cabin when he heard about your news from you. And um, I almost reached out right away, but I was like, ah, she hasn't chosen to share it yet. I don't want to like blast her with this, but I'm so excited for you and so stoked to hear more about um, this amazing achievement. And it's just always great to talk to you. So welcome back. Thanks for, thanks for doing this.
1: Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for the kind words.
0: Of course. Yeah, I'm so stoked for you. Um I think first off, I just want to hear how did it feel? How did it feel to climb the hardest and most badass boulder of your life so far?
1: Yeah, it felt good. And I was talking about this this weekend, it was like it was really a lot of a it was a slow build. Um and in, in a lot of ways it felt anticlimactic actually. Um which is kind of funny, but yeah i think at first it really felt like you know anytime that you do the hardest boulder that you've ever done and it didn't feel particularly um different from that and then um like kind of sharing a little bit more and thinking about it in like a bigger context it definitely obviously feels different um and super meaningful and yeah i'm just like i'm proud of myself for for doing it. And it was a really cool experience. Um, and I feel like it's opened, opened some doors for me. So
0: I hope so. It should have like, this is legendary news, you know, it's, um, I think I remember hearing probably third hand, it wasn't from, uh, from Sean himself. It was Sean to someone to me. Um, but I guess Brooke had a session on it and did really well. And I was like, that is sick. Like I hadn't thought about, um, it just was like, oh, that one seems like a really good contender for someone like you. And I had no idea that you were going to go and try it. Um, but it makes a lot of sense, like knowing your superpowers and like knowing a little bit about the boulder and the style and things like that. It's just like, yes, that is so amazing. But you, and we're, we're going to dive into all this, but you, um, you of course have this incredible resume, but you skipped V15, which is so sick. And like V15, you know, um, Ashima did a V15 and that's kind of it, you know, like no one else had, no other women have yet. And you just jumped right past that. And this is like such big news for climbing. It's just, it's just so cool. Um, why, why this boulder? I think that was something I was really curious about right away. Like you haven't climbed V15 yet, but more than that, This one's just tough, dude. Like the hike, I I remember reading, just recently I was reading a written article by you. You said, you know, seven sessions and you estimated that you hiked like 90 miles to do this boulder or something like that. Six miles each way. It's way the hell back there in the middle of nowhere in the mountains, Colorado. You know, I, I don't know all the V15 boulders in Colorado, but I know that there must be one that's crimpy. That's your style that's way closer to the road. So why we're of course we're talking about box therapy v sixteen. Why box therapy? Why was that your project this summer?
1: Yeah, um no, that's actually I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's like there probably are or it's just circumstantial. like um, you know, crimpy v fifteen next to the road, like I think of the game, but the season's like not right. like, it's really hot in the summer in Boulder Canyon and you want to do that one in like the dead of winter. <clears throat> and so, um, I'm not, I'm just never in Colorado in the winter, honestly, because I like everything else is in season, um, in the winter. So I'm usually in California or like, you know, um, the West coast in general. Um, and honestly don't have that much interest in being in Colorado, um, in the winter besides the game. <laughs> um, cause I just, like I, I spend summers there and like, that's kind of been enough time for me. Um, so it was almost entirely circumstantial. Like every, there's definitely a bunch of V15s that I want to do. And, um, I haven't really tried very many. Um, and yeah, almost none of them are close to me. Um, because there's not that many in California. Um, there's definitely a lot in Yosemite, but they're all V12.
0: <laughs> they're all what? Um,
1: <laughs> they're All v12,
0: all your projects are v12.
1: No, just like the really hard, hard stuff in Yosemite is not graded v15. <laughs> I some see, I we see,
0: yeah, <laughs> I um, see. They probably are like in that range, but they're just graded v12. I get, I gotcha,
1: yeah, yeah, um, or a little bit harder, but you know, um, so yeah, I feel like I hadn't really tried any v15s, um, and didn't have any on my radar that were in season like in a place that I wanted to be in that season and um, that were in my style. So I felt like Box was like a pretty obvious next project for me and was likely going to be easier than like almost all the V15s on my list just because of the style. Like it, it fits me so well. It only has a sense from short people. Um, and I was just going to be in Colorado for the summer. So, yeah, and I feel like I'm not, like, a huge hiker. Like, I don't choose to just hike, <laughs> but I can always get down with a hike. And, like, I've been in the Colorado Alpine, like, four of, or three of the last four summers. And you kind of just, like, almost immediately adapt. You're like, okay, after work, I'm hiking an hour in and an hour out. Like, yeah, I'll just adapt. Um, so, while I would have preferred a roadside project, I felt like it was just like something that needed to happen. Um, and like you hike and you get there and you like devote a whole day to the experience or multiple days and then like you climb. So yeah, it it is definitely, um, it's a beautiful hike too. So that helps.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, summer, it's hot everywhere. There's not that many options and, um, And this one just made the most sense. Maybe it was the only option, really, that made sense. Um, Do you want to describe the setting a little bit more and the boulder a little bit more? I actually, you know, I know a little bit about it. I, of course, have, like, followed all the ascents. I know that Daniel Woods did the FA and and Drew Ruana and Sean Bailey have been the only repeats before you. Um, So you're the fourth ascent, which is sick. Um, And it just sounds like it's way the hell... Back in the mountains in Colorado, somewhere. I don't really know where it is. I think it sits at like ten thousand feet or something. But can you describe the the setting and like getting there, the logistics a little bit more?
1: Yeah, it's um, it, yeah, it's about like ten or 11, um, thousand feet, I think. So it's actually a lot lower than some of the other alpine bouldering in Colorado. Um, which sort of yeah, makes the Link, season tough. It Lincoln's gets like fourteen
0: thousand or something, or thirteen thousand. Lincoln's like way up there, right?
1: Um, the summit is 14 K, but the bouldering's at like 12. Okay. Yeah. It's so it, it, it was like, it gets hot there, like hot and buggy a lot sooner than, um, Lincoln does, for example. Um, so yeah. So, and then the, the shoulder seasons are quite snowy. Um, so you have to like, so the first day I went up and I basically just like dug it out. Um, and then the, after it was cool to see like how fast it melted and then all of a sudden you're just like in this like lush meadow and there's a river that like runs right right by it that um comes down from Box Lake which is this like alpine lake like 5 minutes away um and it's like one in a few alpine lakes up there so it's like way back in wild basin in um RMNP and you start in like Allen's park. Um, Mm. and it, it's, I always like when it's like super hot at the car and then you walk up and you're like, okay, like it gradually gets cold enough to climb. So I think that's cool. Um, and yeah, it's just like, it's maybe the only like meadow boulder, um, that I've ever done in, um, the Alpine. And I've really never seen any part of the park that is like, so green and just like full of water. And there is like a pretty big talus field near it. Um, but box is probably the biggest boulder in that talus field. Um, so it feels a bit anomalous.
0: Wow, yeah, that's super cool. That's super cool. Are people yeah it's a tangent, but are people exploring all the other boulders in that area? Like is that gonna be a zone you think eventually?
1: Um I mean it's still pretty far back there compared to other like unexplored Talus fields um so you have to be motivated um there's definitely you know there's some people out there exploring this year um and I walked around a little bit and there's there's some other lines that definitely have been done up there um and some easier stuff um but yeah if you keep on going like all the way back in the Talus field there's like some huge like caves and um and definitely more potential up there. So I think if someone was motivated, they'd find a lot to do.
0: Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's just a matter of time with the rate that yeah. Drew and and folks like him are working through all the established boulders in Colorado. Um, these guys. These yeah. These guys need stuff to do. Um, can you describe the boulder? You said that you know you knew that this one might be even a better fit for you than some of the v15s because the way it suits you and the fact that only shorter climbers have done it um yeah describe the boulder for people that aren't super familiar with it um the breakdown and kind of how it climbs and what what it was about it that made you feel like this is going to be a good fit for me
1: yeah it's like a 50 degree overhang um i think so it's pretty steep um it I think it doesn't photograph as steep as it actually is. Um, And it's like kind of like the belly of this pretty large boulder. Like I feel like the tip of the boulder is probably 25 or 30 feet. Um, And there's like pretty much one theme of crimps um, that comes out like and climbs that whole overhanging section. Um, And it also like it looks a little bit more like traversy in videos or photos, but you feel like you're climbing up the whole time like just starting in the lower left corner and going to the upper right um but yeah it's also interesting because every move is very consistent um which we were trying to think of boulders that were like as consistent as boxes um and it's like definitely a different challenge than if you have a crux move um, or like a crux section that you need to get through um so yeah every move I don't really know like what grade each move would be. I feel like it's hard to grade individual moves. Um, But yeah, you kind of like do this um, intro crimp sequence that's I guess probably like V15 and then you do the stand to box, um, which is called spread eagle, but you have to do it um, in a different way than you would if you were just gonna do the stand Mm. because your right hand is on the left start hold.
0: Ah, I see, I see, okay. How different is the difficulty of the stand climbing it from box? I mean, without I mean without the like the the added fatigue, because obviously that changes everything. But um, just doing that sequence out of sequence, doing the stand start like backwards,
1: how much harder do you think it is? Um, I think that like if you come from the uh, bottom, so you do it like the way you would from box, it's probably uh like B twelve. And then if you do it from spread Eagle, maybe it's closer to be 10, Okay. Um, but I never actually did the jump move on spread Eagle or like that did it the standard way. So I have no idea.
0: Okay. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> and then, yeah, just the it's way just...
1: that it, other people made it look, it looked maybe around be ten. I don't know.
0: <laughs> gotcha. And then is it just, is it just small holds, small cramps pretty much the whole way?
1: Um, yeah, it's, um, it's, like, yeah, kind of full on, um, like full crimping um, the whole way. I feel like there's no hold that, or actually the, 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 the stand hold, the right hand start hold, or it's a left hand start on the stand, but a right hand from box is like very good weirdly. Um, so that's like the best hold on the climb by a lot. Um, and yeah, there, it's, it's mostly actually like technical, like I feel like the crimping's not that hard. Yeah. Um, or like, it's not like the smallest holds I've ever grabbed, um, but it's quite technical mm. and steep and um, it's slots too. So if your fingers are big, they, the holds are a lot worse.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I gotcha. How did it feel to try it for the first time? Because you know it sounds like it is a really different style than some of the other hardest boulders that you've done. I read a uh, written interview that you did where you talked about like how normally you kind of identify right away, this is going to be the stopper move for me. And you just put, you know, you pour most of your focus into like the stopper move. On this one, there is no stopper move. Um, did you do all the moves right away? Did, did you have a sense that like, wow, this is possible for me? Or I could also imagine it just feeling like all these moves are pretty hard. I have no idea if I'll ever be able to string all of these together. Um, how did it feel when you first started trying it?
1: Um, yeah, kind of more the latter, um, like, okay, I can do each move and they each feel like pretty similar difficulty, but like stringing them together will be hard. And also, um, you, it feels like you need to get every hold perfect to like do the next move. Um, so it feels like as you keep going, you have like increasingly lower probability of doing, um, the next move. Like there's no moment to relax and like readjust, um. So, yeah, I I kind of, like, expected that I could do all the moves, honestly, Um, just looking at the style and, like, knowing kind of what I'm good at. I was like, I feel like none of these moves are actually at my limit. Um, And, yeah, I did all the moves on my first session. Um, One of them was a little bit weird to try because the snowbank was so high. So I was, like, dabbing into the snowbank pretty hard. Um, So maybe I technically didn't do that move, but I felt like I couldn't. Um, if the snowbank was lower, <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I feel like that it, you kind of almost immediately enter the mentality of like, just needing to believe that you can string them together and that, um, as you keep trying, like muscle memory will kick in and it, each move will start to feel easier. Um, so yeah, in, in a way there's like a level of dissociation that needs to happen.
0: Mm yeah that i I want to ask a listener question. I have maybe like eight listener questions for you about box that I'm gonna kind of mix in here as we as we have this conversation. How do I say this person's name? This is I think Ritvik um cool name. I've never seen that name before. but Ritvik wants to know how did you approach a grade that's never been climbed by a female before? How did you know it was within reach? I think i'm I'm kind of more interested in that second question. Um, did you know it was within reach? Like, did you feel like it was worth committing a big chunk of your summer to, even if it wasn't within reach?
1: Um, yeah, I, I both, I think I like thought it was in reach. Um, and also one thing that's really helpful was just, um, like knowing that I would do it one day and that like Colorado in the summer is fairly accessible to me. So, um i could come back and if i came back and still had like to go try box therapy and um like had that motivation to try like that's great because then i'll have something to do and i'll have a reason to come back um so i definitely wasn't like fussed about doing it this year um and yeah, I, I I don't know. I I think that I like you just really have to take the grade with a grain of salt and um, think more about like, you know, how does your climbing compare to the other ascensionists? And like, I felt like um, it was like probably the next logical step for me, um, and like wasn't all that phased by um, the grade honestly because I feel like V fourteen in that style I could do pretty easily. I'd never tried V15 in that style. So like, it was just sort of logical to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: What, what would you compare it to stylistically in like the V14 range? Like what are some of the climbs you've done that, that felt the most similar?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think like, you know, like Penrose, I guess, crimpy, um,
0: Penrose, Step in yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I haven't done this one, but I've seen it. Myrta um, in Cape Town um, is just like in cut crimps uh, and like sort of a crux on that one, but pretty sustained. Um, or like not, this one's V13, but like Nagual in Waco. Mm. Um, yeah. For some reason, I'm, those are like the only ones I'm thinking of, but just like kind of the in cut crimping um, and like bad feet. Um, and I mean, maybe like the swarm. Um, Or, like, a lot of stuff in Bishop. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, not to, like, you know, be too specific. But I do think it's a style that, like, even on a board, I'm pretty good at. Um, And, yeah, I, I had, like, set some box simulator, simulators, um, based on like the memory of other people. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. so yeah, sort of came in a little bit prepared, um, but not like entirely focused on box, more just interested in trying something in that style that was going to push me.
0: How did that work? So, you know, you have a spray wall or, or something and you want to set a there, uh, you know, a, some kind of replica for box therapy, are you talking on the phone to Daniel or or Drew or people that have climbed it or people are are people actually there at the gym that have been on the climb that can kind of tell you like, oh, this holds actually a better you know representation of the crux holder like what did that actually look like to just use people's memories to set a replica for a climb that you hadn't tried yet?
1: yeah, I was um it was actually just Keenan's memory because he's been up there with Sean once um okay. Sean Bailey, and um, and so he had tried like three years ago or something. Um, so it was definitely, you know, not the best simulator, um, but sometimes it's also just fun to like, be like, oh, look, I'm training for my project. It's like gonna directly translate, even though it's like not really accurate at all. And we just had like a, a group in Berkeley who was like psyched on the spray wall and psyched to make simulators. Um, so it was by no means accurate or like 3d printed or anything <laughs> it's just it's 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 good motivation i think for me
0: yeah totally i mean and and yeah there, there's still a lot of specificity there right like if you're just climbing on a similar angle on really bad holds with bad feet like maybe the movements are totally different and the holds are different but i'm sure that's still a hell of a lot better than like moonboarding, you know um yeah before going and trying a project like that so yeah that's cool that makes sense Was the grade was like, this is something that, um, a number of people were curious about is the, was the grade and like the, you know, the first female to do it sort of thing. Was it, was that hanging over you? Was it hard to disassociate from that or to separate climbing on this boulder from that? Was there like a weightiness there or were you just like, no, this is a cool boulder. It suits me pretty well. And like, let's see if I can do it.
1: Um, yeah, I think that it's hard to, um, like, be close to doing it. and Or it was hard for me when I started getting close to um, sort of, like, forget about that. And in the beginning, it was like, okay, like, I've got a group of friends that wants to go up there. I'm down to go up there. Like, let's just try. Um, and I wasn't thinking about, you know, being the first woman to climb B16 at all. Um, and then I think like as I got closer and I realized that it was possible, um, you know, it starts to become apparent that like, it would be a big deal. Um, and I don't feel like that's very helpful mentally. Um, and to like, feel like there's more riding on it. And so, yeah, like I said, it was kind of like, no, this is just something that I want to do before I die. And like, I'll come back and do it next year, and like I could be the twentieth person or woman to climb B sixteen, and it actually wouldn't like change anything. Mm. Um, it's not like I would want to do it less. Um, so, like, kind of just putting it in perspective and realizing that, like, yeah, it's the the like level up boulder that I'm closest to doing right now. Um, it's also something that I like want to do just for my own reasons, and like feels completely isolated from um the circumstance of the time um and that's a lot more productive i think than like trying to do something to be the first person to do anything like that's not a great headspace to be in I mm-hmm. Think. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah i love that mindset i really associate that um i'm going to do this eventually mindset with you and with keenan i i think it's it's so smart and i i really resonate with it i know everyone's different and i really marvel at the people who can show up to a boulder and the season's winding down and it's about to get hot or it's about to snow or whatever and they're like I have to do this now and that pressure helps them finish it off, you know? Like that has never really worked for me. I I, I feel so much more enjoyment in the process and I can focus on the process when I remind myself like, no, this thing's beautiful. It's not going anywhere and it really doesn't have to happen like on any sort of timeline. Like I, it would be great if my like progression and my journey is within my own climbing matched up with this challenge right here and now, but you know, the likelihood of that's kind of small, like it might take another month. It might take another couple seasons of training for this thing. It'll be what it'll be. And all I can do is just try to like learn the most and, and like
1: direct myself,
0: um, from what I'm learning on this challenge.
1: Yeah. I feel like actually this is something that I talked about with a few people about this summer, but like I think that some combination of of that mindset is good like if you have a performance mindset and like that sort of like deadline that's been imposed sometimes you can crumble but other times you like find (laughs) what's needed to get it done and like um even daniel on box therapy like i'm pretty sure that was the last day of the season when he did it um it was like mid-october and i think he the road had already closed so he hiked the road and then hiked to box and like the the session before had just shoveled i think he must have because it's like the whole meadow snowed over wow. um so yeah i feel like that mindset can be really helpful like i need to do this like just for myself but like it feels like something that i absolutely need to do <laughs> mm-hmm. um it can make you focus more and like talk I talked to like Jesse Gruper a little bit about his comp season and compared to like outdoor climbing and um one thing that like we could both agree on is that there's certain times when um it's really fun in climbing to feel like you know like circumstances side you need to do something right now and you need to perform and like it doesn't matter what the weather is or like who's there like how you feel that day like you still need you have a job that you need to do um so Yeah. I, I don't do the comps, so (laughs) I don't love that feeling and it's not fun to me, but sometimes I think it is helpful even in outdoor climbing, if you can manage it.
0: Yeah. Did you have that feeling at any stage for, for box?
1: No, I actually didn't, (laughs) which is great. Um, I was planning on leaving at the end of August and probably would have stayed another month if I hadn't done it. Um, and I think that mentally like allowed or gave me a little bit room, a little bit of room to breathe, um, which is really helpful. I think my headspace would have been worse if I hadn't done it by the end of August.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. How did the hike change your experience? I would love to hear you describe like a day in the life of trying this thing, because um, it's the whole day. And I remember reading you... Say that you had like quite a few solo sessions, which is just epic, like hiking six miles into the backcountry to try this massive boulder by yourself. I'm like, how did you have enough pads? Um, which you don't have to, I know there's like stuff in Rocky Mountain uh, as far as like pads go. Um, <laughs> there's stuff, but uh, but yeah, that's a, a massive amount of effort and um and it's so like such a different climbing experience than being at something row side with a huge gang of people. Um, did that change the experience? Like, what did that feel like? Actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, what, what was a day in the life of, of projecting this thing? Like,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good question. I, I think like so much of bouldering is logistics and like getting the logistics right. Um, and that it, it was like, an absolute logistics nightmare. Um like you need to get your reservation because it's in the park now and like um like yeah just you know weather needs to be right and like it kind of rains every day so um just like timing the rain is also a nightmare. But um I would I usually don't climb before uh like noon. I don't really like operate very well so I I'm like a late to get out person, but I would get out much earlier than I normally do, probably at like nine. Um, mostly just so I could hike really slow mm-hmm. um, because I have I was reading um, some like alpine climbing books. And one thing that I noticed was that they're just always hiking like pretty slow up to base camp, um, if they can, like if they have the weather window, just because your legs are gonna be so much fresher. Um, so this is probably like really obvious to most people, but I don't hike that much. So <laughs> I was like actively trying to go a little bit slower because my legs were getting wrecked. Um, so yeah, I would like just pack like huge lunches, um, and like kind of all the like backpacking essentials, like a uh, water filter and, um, like high density, <laughs> lightweight foods. Um, but you know, I, I bring a ton of food when I'm climbing. So I would bring like rice and fish for the most part and like some bars. Um, and then I would always get this one raspberry crumble bar at the, um, St. Frey market in Lyons, which is really good. Um, and I would also get a sandwich. So I would kind of bring like three meals. I would leave dinner in the car and then bring like two lunches up there. Mm. Um, yeah. And in mo- the, first like four sessions i had people with me which was fun um so we would just like walk pretty slow and um i had like some discussion questions that i had lined up um for when things got grim and like nobody wants to talk anymore <laughs> um, so,
0: where did you get those from that's cool
1: um just on the first day for some reason someone brought up like these are discussion questions, like we don't need to participate.
0: <laughs> what, what topics, <laughs> like, like, like any any like life topics?
1: Um, oh, Most of them were like scenarios, like my favorite was like when we're in the last mile of the hike getting back to the car and it's like midnight, then my question would be, if you were gonna get a million dollars by being at box therapy at sunrise, like the next morning so like in six hours or whatever would you go back to the car or would you just hike back right now and like you have to be there at sunrise so that was a good one (laughs) um and another was like how much money would you pay to level up by two grades like you're guaranteed to to like climb those two grades but you have to put in the work Like it's not like you're just like instantly gonna climb it. Like Mm. you you put in the work, but you sort of know that you're going to. So like, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, like you could climb V18 or something. So those ones were kind of like climbing related, but then I had um, some more like life ones. Um, There was one. Are you just coming
0: up with these? Like these are just your ideas?
1: Uh yeah, I would sometimes write them down. Like throughout the week, I would. like, oh, yeah, that's an interesting question. And then I write them down. A lot of them are just like random things that Keenan and I had like spitballed and like wanted extra opinions on.
0: I love this. Um, I'm gonna hire you as a consultant. This is like what I do, right? So like I have kind of a journaling practice that's just me coming up with questions. It's really fun. I, I really enjoy yeah. it. Um, yeah. but I love this. Awesome. This is this is amazing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Can
0: I I wanna ask you those two questions? So you've obviously thought about this. Uh the million dollar question. When you're you know you've already hiked 11 miles that day and climbed all day and you're exhausted i'm sure um would you turn around and hike the five miles immediately or would you go like nap in the car for a little bit what would would your strategy be
1: i think i would i would nap in the car because um it's kind of scary out there at night and um i think it'd be a lot warmer um in fact i might drive back to boulder and like get food or or even to lions or something. Like I might restock fully and then just like go like psycho mode at like three a.m. and just do like take down the hike. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice.
1: That was my conclusion. I don't want to sleep there.
0: Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Just like cuddling up or like laying under your crash pad or something to stay warm.
1: <clears throat> exactly. Yeah.
0: Um awesome. And then what was the second question again? Uh oh yeah. How, how much, much how much money? How much money would you? would you pay
1: at first i was like when i first asked this question like first group of people that i walked up there i was like i would probably pay like my entire life savings that's like not already allocated to something like (laughs) like something basic like you know like rent or like you know any debts that you have or something like the unallocated stuff even and i probably wouldn't like pay out my 401k or something but like all of that extra savings, if you have any, like your expendable income, I'd probably pay all of it. <laughs> um. So, and I, I mean, I haven't been working that long, so that's not that much money. I'd really, but basically, on that basically all cash. of
0: your money. Yeah. Basically all of your yeah. money. Yeah. But
1: then, then I actually walked up there with my brother who makes a lot more money than I do. And he was like, oh, I wouldn't pay anything. Or like, he was like, I'll, I would pay like very little. And like his conclusion was that you would climb your two grades harder and then immediately like feel unsatisfied Mm. and like you want to climb two grades harder than that or whatever or like there's always a next thing so you might as well just like be where you are Mm. um wow yeah
0: (laughs) your brother's your brother's enlightened that's great (laughs) yeah (laughs) there's a lot of truth in that yeah yeah i mean and and there's like, I wonder how much of the satisfaction or the drive comes with the uncertainty, you know, like there's like this, this glimpse, like this kind of curiosity and this question mark of like, is this possible for me? And I mean, my favorite thing about climbing is like that process that happens both in the micro when you're trying a project or in the macro where you're like, I don't know if I can do this, but then you slowly start to like unlock the pieces and start to believe. And then you eventually realize you can like, you know, that's such a cool thing. So if it was just like, I'm going to do this, it's just a matter of time. And you actually knew that, like you knew that knew that. I wonder if that would, uh, I wonder if that would change the drive and motivation or the satisfaction when you get there. Yeah. That's that's interesting.
1: Yeah. And I think like the question should really be reframed to like, it's, Something two grades harder that you like really want to do. It's not like some like dumpy low ball. It's Mm. like something amazing that would like be like, you know, climbing career defining for you. So, yeah, I I think you're right though. It's like the actual uncertainty of, of climbing harder that makes climbing harder interesting. Um, It's not just like the pure numbers for most people.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, maybe if the question was, like, like how much would you pay to hire a coach who could guarantee that you would achieve, you know, this climb or whatever? Um, right. Eventually. Like, how much would you pay that coach? Make it, like, a little yeah. bit more. Because that's, like, kind of more normal, you know? That's, just, that's less yeah. like you're just paying directly for someone to hand you the results. Like, no, this is still going to take a ton of work. But, yeah. Yeah. I think I'd pay a lot of money to that coach. <laughs> I think I'd pay, yeah. <laughs> like... I don't know, tens of thousands of dollars probably, which is yeah. funny. Yeah,
1: yeah, it is, it is interesting. <laughs> it, 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 this question—not to derail us too much. This question actually really stemmed out of like, um, Keenan and I talking about how like we could potentially go out climbing with someone else who maybe has bad like tactics or hasn't nailed logistics or like is bad at like figuring out beta or something and like literally just tell them one thing that would make them do their project and like i feel like people would potentially pay for like that tip or just like it's not even coaching necessarily it's like literally like a third person looking at your setup and then like telling you what's wrong Mm -hmm. um so yeah that that was kind of the um origin of the question
0: yeah so Yeah. He's selling mustache hairs and now you guys are going to be sending invoices to the people that you go, the the gumbies that you go climbing with. Like, you're welcome.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. That'll be, (laughs)
0: that'll be a thousand (laughs) dollars. Um, how did the hike and the logistics change your actual experience projecting this boulder? Did it feel different?
1: Um, yeah, it definitely does. Um, Like when you're going like to a roadside boulder, you can be like, I don't feel good today. I'm just going to go to the gym or something, or I'll go somewhere else. And, um, I think with box, it was like, okay, I'm going Friday and I'm like devoting my whole day and like any work stuff. I'm like, I'm out of office that day, basically. And, um, so just that planning aspect, some people really do well with, and I really don't, um, I don't, I'm not a great planner. So, um, yeah. I think it can be beneficial though, when you're just like, I'm here and I need to try and I walked really far. So I would like need to learn something from this session <laughs> and like find out a way to make it feel like productive. Um, and yeah, so I, I think, yeah, it can be, both be like something that you're getting into and can just like spiral down the frustration hole because you've walked so far to like do some moves Um, or it can be something that you can use to your advantage and be like um, I'm completely focused today like there's nothing else um, on my calendar and um, I've come this far so I need to like find some micro progress. and yeah, ultimately like your legs just get in shape. Um and it feels kind of good as a boulder to have big days um and like to feel completely wrecked the next day. Um and yeah, I listened to a lot of podcasts when it got dire and had a lot of really interesting conversations with um with friends. So I feel like one thing is that you when you're an adult, you like don't get all that much time to just have like unstructured hangout time. Mm. Um and climbers i think get a lot more of this than other people but um when you just like have nothing to do but walk and like enjoy the day <laughs> um you know things get silly and people get tired and like and it, it it brings out like the best and worst in people and i think i had a lot of really funny um funny conversations and and good times with friends so mm-hmm. i feel like i got closer to people which is great
0: that's awesome yeah yeah th- that's really cool yeah, and I think your tip about hiking slow, I mean, you said like maybe this is obvious. I don't think so. I think a lot of climbers, I mean, maybe most climbers that I have climbed with in the Alpine are just way more fit than I am, you know, because a lot of times it's like a, uh, it's like someone like Ethan or, or um, I don't know, Dylan Barks comes to mind. I remember hiking up just the last part of the hike up to Upper Chaos with him one time. Um, and I was just like, Jesus, I'm like busting my ass to keep up with this guy and I'm not carrying a crash pad and he is. um but um but that makes a lot of sense like I I remember in uh I remember in Bishop like 10 or 15 years ago hearing I I would see like the you know the the climbers that were way more experienced than me going up into the happies with like four crash pads, just going so slow just doing like the slow trudge you know and someone was like oh yeah that's the crusher walk like the crusher walk is like you just plod up there, you go really slow because you're saving all of your energy for this really hard thing that you're going to try. And I was like, oh, that's, that's brilliant. Um, yeah. But yeah, with something like a big six-mile hike like that, it uh, of course it makes a difference. Like if you're kind of redlining and you're like trying to get there as fast as you can and like really pushing yourself aerobically or anaerobically, um, of course that's going to tax your system in a totally different way than than taking your time and um yeah. It's it's really interesting and, and super cool that you're reading Alpine training books. Like were you reading those because of this project?
1: Um no, I, I I was having like a little bit of a craving for adventure, um, which is maybe also why I wanted to try box, but um it was just like one book that was recommended to me and um and I like the author and like I actually I find myself like pretty fascinated with the world of like trad and alpine climbing and try to keep up with what's happening um even though I don't have like that much interest in in doing it myself yet but um yeah it was it was not even like a really a training mindset it was just like enjoyment of um hearing about climbing.
0: Hmm. What book was it if you don't mind me asking?
1: Um it was called The Tower um it's by Kelly Cordis.
0: Oh okay. Nice. It's
1: about um, it's about Sarah Torre and Patagonia and like all the controversy around, um, it's like ascent and
0: the compressor kind route of its history. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll find a link for that one for, for people that want to check that one out.
1: Yeah. I guess, I guess the slow walking was also more just from watching videos of like, like alpine climbing blogs and trad climbing blogs and stuff. Um, yeah, that, that's a good book. I think I think there's some slow walking in there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then um, I imagine, I'm curious about your uh, kind of strategy. Like you're, you know, you said you're not much of a planner and this kind of forced you to have to plan out a little bit more. It makes sense. Um, I imagine you can't just go try this thing day on, day off, like you might with some other project. What did your kind of more global strategy look like? Were you, were you doing like some, you know, days in the gym training to give your legs a longer rest between sessions or were you just resting more fully between sessions what did that look like
1: um yeah i was i pretty much didn't climb in the gym from like mid-may to early september um and was doing a lot of resting so i think i only went up to box twice in in june because the walk was really bad with the snow um and it's just not that fun to be up there when it's super snowy um and then was like that was like i didn't go enough times so in july i went about like once per week i don't think i ever went more frequently than um 7 days in between um mm. and then i would and mostly just because of um or yeah i feel like my legs would feel like recovered enough to do the walk after like 4 days but then um, my skin took another few days. um, just like I wanted to go up there with perfect skin, and then my fingers were also like sort of recovering. So I felt like going up there more than once a week was not productive. Um And then I would do like Lincoln days, which Lincoln I was trying Lake. something like pretty, yeah, Lincoln Lake. So I was trying something pretty close to the road, so it was like pretty minimal hiking um and also like i feel like when you're doing the box hike your legs are in good enough shape that a lincoln hike like feels pretty easy um so those were kind of like my like uh non-box climbing and hiking rest days um where i would just like climb on stuff that was not um kind of like getting my fingers as bad or getting my skin as bad as box so um Yeah. Like definitely one or two rest day. I I never go two days on anymore. So Mm. one or two rest days in between each climbing day. Um, and two rest days usually before I went up to box.
0: Okay. Gotcha. So yeah, it sounds like you would have a a box day and then have rest days in between, but have like two other climbing sessions before you would rest and then go back to box. Something like that.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Gotcha.
0: Okay. Yeah, Yeah. Cool. Um, all right, let's dive into more of my patron questions. This one is from, I think, Sierra, Sierra or Ciara. Apologize if I'm getting your name wrong. What was the biggest challenge for you on this boulder and how did you overcome it?
1: Um, the like physical hardest part for me was transitioning from the, the sit moves into the stand. Um, So like the actual transition itself, um, like there's something weird about how you get the hold when you're coming from the bottom and like where your hips go. Um, And I pretty much upon reaching the stand from the sit always knew if I was going to fall or not. Um, So I spent like a whole session, like just like fine tuning micro adjustments on, that transition um so i think that would technically be my red point crux um i never fell on the last move of the stand um and i fell a lot on the first move of the stand Mm. um yeah um and then i think like the mental challenge was um just i think it's really hard when you know you can do something um and like it's just about execution and i think that's like the least fun headspace um and it's way more fun to, like, be creative and problem solve and, like, have those, like, kind of moments of of breakthrough that keep you coming back. Um, and when you've, like, sort of plateaued and, like, the next step is actually just doing the boulder, um, that's when, like, mentally it can become the most challenging. So I think just, like, only, like having to the- Hey
0: friends, I hope you enjoyed the first part of that conversation with Katie Lamb. There's about an hour left of this episode. The full version is about an hour and 40 minutes. And the only way to listen to the full thing is by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Climbing. I know that's annoying. We all love getting things for free, and I wish I could give everything away for free. The reason I do this is because I really do depend on Patreon. The podcast would not be what it is today, and in fact, it wouldn't exist if it were not for the support that I get from patrons. So it's five bucks a month to sign up for Patreon. There's a link right there in your podcast app if you scroll down, and I try to make it. Such a no-brainer for you guys to sign up. It's only five bucks a month, and you get so much bonus content. If you love the show, you'll get ad-free episodes for every single episode. You'll get all of the follow-up episodes like this one. And also, if you become a patron, I might ask your question on the show, like you've already heard in this episode. The rest of this episode, about an hour, features mostly questions from patrons and it was really great. They were really great questions, really insightful and interesting. And as always, several of them led to really interesting discussions with Katie. We got a lot deeper into her projecting mindset and philosophy, basically what she thinks the key is for sending hard boulders, at least for her. We talked about her specific project strategy and how she went about working on box therapy. We talked about why grades should be taken with a grain of salt and more of her thoughts on skipping V15 and what the takeaway is for the rest of us and so much more. This was a really great episode. And once again, you can go listen to it right now by signing up for Patreon. All right, once again, I hope you'll consider signing up. I really appreciate you guys for listening and for all of the support, whether you're supporting financially or just listening to the podcast and sharing it with your friends. That helps a lot as well. So, thank you. I hope you have an amazing week, and we will see you next time.